This episode of the Cascadian Beer Podcast has been made possible by the BC Ale Trail. New experiences are brewing nearby. Welcome to the Cascadian Beer Podcast. My name's Aaron and I'm a Cascadian. In this podcast series, I highlight breweries around Cascadia, a region that has a strong presence in the international beer scene. If this is your first time here, welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. And if you like it, please subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you'll never miss a future episode. If you've been listening for a while, why not leave us a review on your platform of choice? It really helps support this podcast and get the word out to new listeners. Cascadia is a bioregion in the Pacific Northwest and the North American continent. It's made up of the U.S. states of Washington and Oregon, as well as the Canadian province of British Columbia. In this episode of the podcast, I've traveled to one of British Columbia's top vacation destinations. Whistler is known for its skiing, but it's also home to a lot of fantastic summer activities as well. And of course, great craft beer. A little bit later in this episode, I'll be speaking with Coast Mountain Brewing. But first, I started at a brew pub in Whistler Village. I visited High Mountain Brewing. My name is Derek French, and I'm the brewer of the High Mountain Brewing Company in Whistler, BC. Beautiful Whistler. We are taping this at the end of summer. It is like 27 degrees out there and sunny. It's beautiful. Oh, man. You know, it's going to switch here in a couple weeks, right? And uh... Just like a light switch. I think we were discussing it before. It goes from being like, you know... 80 degrees and then the next day it goes down to be in 50 degrees yeah yeah, yeah. just the way that it is <laughs> yeah so are you you're not originally from whistler though right no like, i don't well i mean you know the only people that are actually originally from whistler are under sort of 30 years old because you have to remember that whistler is a town that's only been around since 1960 or something there's yeah. been people here but you know until the ski hill opened there wasn't really any reason to come here yeah whistler is such a new town that really the only people that you meet that are from here are kind of kids you know and so i'm originally from calgary alberta and one of the reasons why i moved to bc is because the beer scene here has always been a little bit more advanced than it was at home there you go to be honest you know in calgary growing up there was only drummond molson labat and big rock and that's all there was when i was growing up yeah and then you know when i was back there last year for christmas holy smokes they're everywhere yeah and um and it's because they changed sort of like the ruling on how breweries could open there you used to have to be yeah. really big brewery to open but now that they're allowed to open the small breweries calgary's become sort of uh an epicenter for the craft brewing scene i have a friend out in alberta she just sent me a bunch of albertan beers i haven't tried them yet so gonna probably crack those at the end of the weekend and, and right on. yeah and see what it's like so so that, yeah there we go my first question how did beer find you well i think just like every other teenager you get to be sort of uh, curious as to how to find alcohol kind of thing, right? And I didn't have ID to buy it, so I figured out... Or money, right? Well, exactly. Well, that too. <laughs> but I read a book on how to make beer, and a friend of mine had just made beer, and we had made a kit to start. But uh, yeah, you could buy the kit at Safeway, and water comes from the hose, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, like before we knew it, we were putting together these really sort of bad beers almost. I mean, well, because the water is pretty hard in, in Alberta, right? It is. So. And we didn't know anything about that back then. Yeah. We just, we're, we were throwing it all together just to produce 
alcohol. And after about the second or third batch, we realized that the more uh, corn sugar that you add to these beers, the stronger you can make them. So we were making these high test beers right. back in like grade 10 or something like that. And you know what? Once I was finished high school, I really was at a loss for words as to what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Right. And my mom had saved up some cash to send me to school. And I decided I was going to go to Victoria, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I took a year of computer science and I really hated it. I didn't realize how much I just liked um, sitting in a chair all day. And math. And math too, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't my favorite thing to do. So I yeah. knew that getting closer to beer was probably the thing that I wanted to do. So I started taking organic chemistry at UVic. And, um, you know, eventually I bugged enough of the breweries there because in Victoria, in those days, there was seven breweries, I think. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I moved there. But I bugged every brewery about every two weeks. I knocked on the door saying, listen, please take me. I'll do it. Like, I'll work for free kind of thing. Like, was that uh, the uh, the OG out there, Spinnakers or uh, which which? That's where I started, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. they eventually needed an assistant brewer at Spinnakers. And I was yeah. the beer store manager at Mod Hunters, which is up near the UVic. Right. And uh, I bugged the right people for long enough that they said, quit sending us resumes. Just show up on Tuesday morning kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I started in June of 2000. And I haven't done anything else with my adult life, to tell you the truth. I'm not qualified to do anything else. I'm very happy with what I do. And I really can't envision really choosing another vocation. Well, I mean, you know, fermentation. I mean, you can make like kombucha or wine probably, right? Like, pickles or, or sauerkraut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's all, I mean, you know, I think that uh, deep down I've always been a DIY person. And if you meet enough brewers, I think that you'll find that brewers are DIY people. Right. The ones that actually love it. Some people actually just treat it as a job but the people that actually truly love it are people that like to make sausages are people that like mm -hmm. to make pickles are people that like to produce things that they didn't know that they could do oh yeah and that's sort of become my new sort of hobby is making pickles over the last couple of years uh, i made a few batches the last two years and then this spring i think i made like 28 jars or something like that and that was just because i wanted to see how far i can push this thing Right. Maybe one day I'll open a brewery that does like pickles and sausages and cheese or something on the side. Or you should just have Derek's uh, barbecue here in the summer out on the patio, right? And I just... would love that. Oh. Yeah. To open something in Whistler, though, you really need well, to no, have no, some no, good financial. You... Well, no, no, no. But you just have it here as a part of the <laughs> oh, brew yeah. pub. Do, yeah, yeah. Well, do... that would be great. I mean, I'll come up for pickle day or whatever here. So, you know. Well, we'll have to put High that on the pickle list. Day? Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of which, how did... Uh, like so you Vic uh then how did you make it up to Whistler and was there anything else in between well Victoria yeah I went to school there and I started my brewing career there and then I decided to take a job with Wild Rose in Calgary which is where I'm from and uh, I knew some of those guys back there and so I worked for those guys for two years but I realized that really I wanted to be on the coast yeah so the whole time I was back in Alberta I was itching to get back here and so eventually I was there for two years and I came back to Vancouver and worked for the Russell Brewing Company uh, for a year. And then I've been employed by the Mark James Group for near 15 years, 14 and a half years or something since 2006. Right. So I started at Big Ridge in Surrey. I worked at Yale Town. I worked at Dick's, like the famous Dick's that closed down. Mm -hmm. I was there. I worked at Taylor's Crossing. I worked for Red Truck. And then the only other place I hadn't been was here. And so when the brewer was leaving here in 2010, just shortly after the Olympics, they said, do you have any interest to go to Whistler? And I said, I don't know. And they said, it comes with a ski pass. And I said, I'm there. Hey, man. Yeah. And so you know what? I don't know if I'll ever turn my back on this town. I've become what they call somewhat of a a local here, right? And it takes a few years to achieve that status. Deep-rooted, eh? That, well, there's a lot of yeah. people that come and go here, but yeah. uh, for the people that decide to stay, they call them locals, and they're sort of lifers. They always find a way to make it financially, but we're all here for the same common reason, and that's because uh, we love the lifestyle of it. 
it's not all about going to work and mm-hmm. punching the clock. You know, it's like you work hard and you play hard here. I mean, totally. Like uh, on a day like today, it is sun shining. I left Vancouver this morning. It's smoked in because of the wildfire smoke blowing up from the south. Yep. And it's crystal clear here. We're like right near the bike trail because like there's so many mountain bikers like just coming yep. off from a run and stuff. So, yeah, no, it's I can I can definitely see the appeal up here. You know, I mean, like it's itching me a little bit if I'm if I'm well, being I honest. think that everybody comes up here and says almost the same thing, especially if you're from Vancouver or like you're from Vancouver and you're so close. Um, I think people sort of say, wow, it'd be great to live here kind of thing, but it's just too expensive or it couldn't be done or there's nowhere to live. And you know what? Those things are all true, actually. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it really is hard of, or like it's hard to find a place to live. It is quite expensive. There's not a lot of great work, but if you're willing to really kind of bite the bullet and maybe come out here and experience it for six months, I think eventually people find their groove. You know, like not everybody moves here wanting to be a bellboy or to be a dishwasher or a server or something like that. But if you stay for long enough, jobs do come and go. And so, you know, you got to keep your ear to the ground for the right kind of thing. And I'm one of the people that's really fortunate to have sort of a a career job here. Yeah. Which I think is the struggle of any like kind of tourist destination, right? I mean, like I kind of think of like the, uh, the kind of traditional idea of like, oh, wouldn't it be so romantic to live in Hawaii? And then like everybody that I've known who's moved to Hawaii realizes really quick, oh, maybe this wasn't the right idea. Yeah. <laughs> because Hawaii, I've always felt that same but, way, actually. I think one of the other reasons I came to BC was because the weather was so much well it was so much more mild than it was in alberta yeah and in alberta you can see snow on almost any month of the year but moving to victoria i sat on the beach about 10 months of the year kind of thing right yeah and i think the weather was a big um deciding factor for me to come out west but uh i've always seafood right are you a seafood fan of course yeah yeah yeah. but if i was in the u.s i I, like i would like to think i would be one of those people who would have taken a shot at living in hawaii and it's not exactly for everyone because it is quite expensive yeah you know there isn't great accommodation sometimes and etc etc it can be really congested but uh right now you know with the pandemic shutdown or whatever if i was an american i would be shut down in Hawaii if I could. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when Canada was looking at maybe sponsoring the Turks and Caicos a couple of years ago, I said, man, I want to be the first Canadian brewer over there. Yeah. Because that sounds great to me. And I don't know what happened, but the wheels fell off that plan. And BC, you know, it's about as close as we can get to our own California here, right? Well, hey, I, it's, I went from sea to sky like this afternoon, right? Like, yeah. What, what more can you want? Mm-hmm. Um, so how long has the uh, High Mountain Brewing been here? And uh, what what do you focus on? Well, this is a really big brew pub. I don't know how many other brew pubs are larger than this. I think the Mission Springs seats 800 people. And I think that there's a couple that are in the same group as this. But this place seats like, I think it's 650 or 700. And, and there's, the two, yeah, there's two sides, right? There's a restaurant and a pub side. And then there's so. an upstairs on the other side. Yeah. A really big patio, which we're expanding this next year. But, uh, you know, this place was built in 97. Mm-hmm. Or, open in 97. It has been like one of the most successful restaurants, I think, here in Whistler. And it is really like a machine when it is uh, at full-blown summer or full-blown ski season kind of thing. It is just churning out the product. And in fact, it's the reason why we don't do any packaged product or any kegs or anything like that. And it's because this this brewery was only designed to serve beer in-house. And in fact, on a really busy summer day, not that we've really had that this year because of our reduced capacity, but... um, 
on a busy summer day, I can look at the sight glass on the beer tank and actually see the volume of the beer moving in real time. Like a sundial, you're like, oh, it's almost the end of my shift. I got to go home. Yeah, exactly. And so this is the reason why my hair is all white. And it's because I'm always concerned about having enough beer on tap here. Well, which leads me to my next question. How big is that brew house? I mean, we can see it from here. Like it's it's upstairs. Yeah, it's upstairs. Which which is slightly odd. Um, You know, the space reminds me a lot of uh, friends of the podcast, Martin Brew Pub up in Vernon. Oh, I've not been there. But only they're on the main floor, right? I'm going to be there in about 10 days, actually. Like we've got a cabin out near Vernon and I want to check out the Martin because they've also got the Dr. Bonnie Henry beer, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did that. So I got to go check it out. But yeah, what's the size of your tanks and everything else? Well, the batch length is uh, is 16 hectoliters or 1,600 liters, mm-hmm. which sounds like a lot to people who don't, you know, brew on an industrial scale. But just to give you an idea, you know, like a Molson or Labatt would spill this much beer in a day kind of thing well, on I'm the just, floor. I'm just looking at your space and I'm like, like if, th- if everybody ordered one beer here, like it, it, you almost wouldn't be able to supply everybody with one tank, right? Yeah, like, exactly. And that's yeah. the reason why we don't do really any package product is because we just basically rob ourselves of being able to sell it here. But, you know, it is a very functional brew house. It really uh, makes a nice clean beer. I've never really had too many problems, but um, I wish that it was a little bit larger because we would have a little like like we would have more options of what to do with our beer. You know, when the pandemic was on and we were shut down. I guess I wish that we had the ability to can the beer and sell it because then we would be able to do something with it. But just because we sell it in-house and this place was closed for more than three months, you know, unfortunately, I did have to dispose of some beer mm-hmm. because of age. Did you make any lagers in that time, though? If, uh... I did, actually. I made a couple of the, uh, like, I made a, a German Pilsner and a Czech Pilsner. And those beers were made for the summertime because that's actually the kind of beer that I like. Yeah. When it's scorching hot outside, I like a nice hoppy Pilsner. Yeah, nice yeah. and dry. And I can just smash those beers. You know, that's why I make those style of beers in the summer. And it's because that's the kind of beer that I like to drink. But because uh, of the shutdown, I know that my bosses, you know, um, out there, they basically said, you probably shouldn't make any more beer because we don't know how long this shutdown is going to last. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I would like to have a Pilsner on in the summertime. And these beers can seriously age for, you know, six or eight months kind of thing. And, and they just get better with age. And they do. And, yeah. and in fact, one of the things that was a real eye opener for me when I went to Germany a few years ago is how well lagered all of their beers are. Oh, yeah. They don't put anything out until it's time. And in fact, I bet you some of these beers are over six months old by the time they hit the shelf. Well, and we were talking before we started taping um, about how you've visited my hometown, Bellingham, and chucking that down there. Yeah, like Will sits on that beer. And it's what separates his beers from the others, actually. You know, one of the real great shames of the new craft beer movement is that we're always in such a rush to get these things out. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why maybe hazy beers are so popular right now, because you don't have to wait for them to clear up. In fact, you know, these Mm -hmm. hoppy beers taste best when they're really, really fresh. Yeah, yeah. So that Cascadian Dark Ale that I've got upstairs, I'm hoping to get that out as soon as I can, because you really get a lot more hop sort of um, punch when they're young. So that's going to be the day of the flip here in like two weeks, right? When it's like six degrees outside. And then it's going to be slow. And so maybe I'll just have to drink more of it myself. (laughs) You have a core lineup here, right? And I I don't want this to come off as like kind of uh, offensive in any way, but I mean, like you are a tourist town, so you do need to play to that crowd. Absolutely. But I mean, do you have some wiggle room to like experiment from time to time? Yeah, we've got our four core brands that uh, we have on tap and it's a lager, a pale ale, brown ale, and an IPA. And really the thing I love about the company that I'm employed by is they let me do what I want with the beer. Mm-hmm. You know, when I showed up here, the IPA was a little bit lower in alcohol and it was only 50 IBUs and it was totally not the kind of IPA that I like. 
I like a big, strong West Coast IPA. Piney, resiny, right? Piney, resiny. Which is exactly. what we're enjoying right now. Yep. Like, yeah. And this is actually a recipe that I sort of tweaked when I worked at the Dick's Barbecue in Vancouver, which is a very famous beer spot for its IPA, especially. Mm-hmm. And my predecessor, Tony DeWalt, was the one who really sort of brought that style of beer to Vancouver. And then I took over for him. And in fact, I took it and I just made it even stronger and even hoppier kind of thing. But this is the beer that I brought up here. And, you know, because we have so many American visitors in Whistler, the IPA sells like hotcakes. Here. Oh, yeah. And in fact, we sold a little bit less of it this year because the U.S. border is shut down mm-hmm. and we're just getting less of those guys coming up. And in fact, you know, we were talking about how my brewery is upstairs. It's kind of like a little kind of bird's nest upstairs. And sometimes I sit up there and I watch people order their beers. And I've gotten to a point now where I can almost tell where someone is from based on the beers that they order at their table. Right. If you get like, you know, four chaps that sit down and they all order a beer and three of them are lagers and one's an IPA, these guys are probably Vancouver people. Mm-hmm. But you get four chaps that come up and they order four IPAs. Those are Seattle guys for sure. Oh, yeah. And it's because Seattle guys, they drink anything that says IPA in it. Well, but this is like to- that classic West Coast IPA. And I'm like, I'd be having this down in Seattle if, yeah, the border was open, right? Like, it's, And in fact, I do a lot of traveling in the U.S. And, you know, one of the things that I love about traveling in the U.S. is IPA is so available. I think it's the number one selling craft style of beer. Yep. You know, in Canada, it's definitely not even close to the top, I don't think. It still goes Pilsner and maybe Pale Ale and a couple mm-hmm. other things in front of IPA. But, you know, uh, since IPA is so easy to find in the U.S., I feel like I'm at home there. Oh, yeah. I'm traveling in San Diego and I'm traveling in... Portland and I'm traveling down in Denver, you know, there's so many great IPAs. Well, like in that classic, like Pacific Northwest style, like immediate, like my favorite IPA is like the uh, Deschutes Freshly Squeezed. Oh yeah. And then, and then Boundary Bay's IPA is just a solid classic as well. And then it's not even like an IPA technically, but like it's got that big body as the uh, Mac and Jack's African Amber too, which is just classic Pacific Mm -hmm. Northwest. So. And that beer's been around forever. Yeah. And people are still eating it up, you know, and that's great. It's it's great to see. I'm really a fan of some of these Oregon IPAs. You know, I think my favorite, if I'm going to be honest, I think is the Boneyard RPM IPA. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. From yeah. Ben's. And yeah. I've done the Ben trip a couple of times. And I'll tell you, I don't know, if I was going to move to the U.S., Ben might be the place. Yeah. Because it's a lot like here, in fact. It's really all about your outdoor lifestyle. It's all about skiing and biking and enjoying your time. But it's a tiny little town of, what is it, 60,000 people? Yeah. And there's 25 breweries there or something. Yeah. yeah. But really, really good ones. And that's, of course, you know, where the famous Deschutes is from. Yeah. And they always hold the flag high and, you know, they do great things, but really some of those smaller breweries that are in Bend are some of my favorites. Yeah. Especially uh, in Hood River now for me with Twin Sales Freem. and Freem. Oh, yeah. Freem might be my favorite American brewery. Yeah. I love every single beer they make. Yeah. I went there and it was the cleanest brewery I've ever been in my life. Yeah. You could eat off the floor there. Like I hate to use a cliche like that, but it was just so clean and the food was great and it's probably the best stout I've ever had in my life. And it's some of the best sour beer I've ever had in my life. And it's probably the best Pilsner outside of Germany I've ever had in my life. Well, you know why? Because Josh Freem, owner brewer, was the apprentice to Will at Chuck and Nut. So really? Yeah. I had no idea. There you go. So like, do you get to do German styles like that? Because Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I do. But, you know, because these beers take a long time to sort of lager, a lot of times I have to be wise about what, like the time of year that I yeah, kind of pull off Because you keepers. just have those tanks that we see, right? There's no yeah. conditioning tanks stuffed, stuffed yeah. away anywhere. Or... All of these serving tanks down here is where the beer is kept, but I only have four fermenters upstairs. So if I want to make Pilsner, I have to do it in the spring kind of thing yeah. when it's still slow. Because once it gets to summertime, it's just full go with all of the other core brands. All right. So if somebody was wanting to get into brewing themselves, uh, what would be some advice you could give them to make better beer? 
Well, I think that you always want to learn from someone else kind of thing, you know, like every brewing job I've ever gone to, I've learned something new mm-hmm. and it might actually even be how not to do it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's always good. Uh, like, I think it's always good advice to ask questions of other people that brew. Yeah. Like, you know, even my professional friends now, if I have a question as to how they did something, I just ask them. And, you know, I would say that most North American brewers would tell you almost everything you want to know about their beer. Mm-hmm. Like they'd even give you the recipe sheet. Whereas there's sort of a divide in the world of brewing because a lot of the sort of European brewers are family brewers who have been passing these recipes down for generations and generations and maybe even 500 years. And they won't even tell you, you know, what kind of malted barley they use in their in their beer. And it's because they don't want you to steal their recipe. But North Americans are not like that. You know, we're all happy to share the information. And it's because the beer industry gets better and better every year. Yeah. Like I remember when I got into it, maybe only like half of the breweries that you would go to would be really even worth trying any of the beer. Yeah. Sometimes you'd be like, oh, this one's a little bit too thin or this one's got a contamination or this one is just the wrong yeast in it. Uh, but now it's almost hard to find a bad beer. You know, yeah. I mean, all of the breweries basically have to make good beer. And it's because if you don't, you're not going to make it. Yeah. So I would say that, yeah, like uh, if you want to get into brewing, you got to try to find a job. And I have a lot of people that come to the group up here that are trying to find a job, but we're only a brewery that employs one. Yeah. And that's me. So you're going to have to wait for me to die. I mean, it's not, it's not a large space here. No, in the brew it's house. tiny. Yeah. And in fact, I've had an assistant once or twice here, but really it's a one person job. But yeah. if you go to a microbrewery that does kegs and bottling and that kind of stuff, uh, they're going to need more than one person. And mm-hmm. you always start at the bottom. You never really just walk in and start making beer. No. You got to do beer labeling and stacking kegs and you got to go deliver beer and stuff mm-hmm. like this. And that's all part of the job too, right? Yeah, man. So each brewery that you work at, you learn something new. Each place I've gone to, there's something, some new thing that I have to learn. And I've actually been here for 10 years now and I haven't learned too much recently, but you know what? I feel like I paid my time or like I've, uh, I've paid my dues. Yeah. Uh, I've been a brewer for 20 years and I think that it's okay now that I kind of like settle back a little bit as long as the work is done and everything. Mm-hmm. Whistler is a good spot for me. And I mean, you're making excellent beer. I've had great, your wit, you. your, your wit was the fantastic beer. It was actually recommended by one of your servers out oh, there. Great. And, uh, yeah, that is like the perfect beer for the last throw of summer here Yeah, <laughs> as I'm up here when it's 27 degrees in Whistler. I love so, them. Yeah. Like, you know, like in the summer, I think we were talking about it, um, I like to make the seasonals for myself kind of thing. You know, I, like I do take suggestions, but I do a lot of brewery tourism and I mm-hmm. sometimes find things that I like to do, but there are two standards that I always have to have in the summer. And one is wit beer and one is Pilsner. And what's your, uh, what's your winter pick then? Like what's, what's the big winter one? So. Well, I've got a sour Belgian quad. Ooh. It's going to be a, like about 11% or something. Right, and right. it's going to be a pH of about 3.5. So it's going to be really, I don't know what it's going to be like yet. I really mm-hmm. have never made a style of beer like this before. Right. I don't do kettle sours. I haven't ever made one before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I don't, I usually find them to be a little bit too one-dimensional. Yeah. A lot of them, uh, you know, they're sour, but not really anything else. Mm-hmm. So it just really hasn't ever really piqued my interest too much. But the type of sours that I make here are the traditional Belgian-style barrel-aged sours that take two years kind of thing, right? Yeah. So this quad is maybe only about six months old, and it's going to need another year probably before I know anything about it. But other than that, I've got some barley ones kicking around that I always like to put on. Cascadian Dark is a classic winter one for me, too. That is a great sort of fall beer for me. You know, I think that uh, once the weather turns, I want something hoppier and a little bit stronger, but not really full on sort of Imperial Stout kind of weather yet. No, I really don't do Imperial Stouts unless it's like minus 
30 outside or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweater weather. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the Cascadian Dark Hill will be a good fall beer. And we've got, yeah, some barley wines coming up that I've, uh, I've got a collection of barley wines that I've been saving. I've got a 2006, a keg of 2006, a keg of 2008, 2009, 2010s, and then a 2015. So what I think I might do is I might have a vertical tasting um like a tasting set available sort of christmas week yeah where you can taste maybe five or six barley wines side by each okay well i am definitely coming back up to whistler in the winter ah cool great there we go hey thank you so much for your time really appreciate it cheers thank you big thank you to derek for his time it was a great sunny day when i was there visiting and um you know beers were fantastic food was great staff was excellent i cannot wait to go back and visit them again in whistler village just want to take a moment to talk about the BCL Trail and thank them again for making this episode possible. And now you can also download the BCL Trail app. The BCL Trail showcases many parts of the province on their website, and you'll find recommended itineraries for each region, a comprehensive list of every craft brewery in BC, a calendar of beer events, and a blog with lots of great stories. The regional ale trails include local breweries, pubs, and restaurants, along with other activities the area has to offer. The app gives users the ability to collect rewards by visiting the breweries and related businesses or events, which can be redeemed for merchandise and other discounts at participating locations. So whether you're planning a weekend trip or just being a tourist in your own backyard, let the BC Ale Trail guide you to your next beer adventure. Arrive thirsty, leave inspired at thebcaletrail.ca. All right, time for the second interview in this episode in Whistler, and I headed over to Coast Mountain Brewing. Kevin Winter and uh, owner brewer here at Coast Mountain Brewing. Nice, nice to get you on the show. I'm in Whistler, uh, one of the most beautiful places in BC, but Whistler proper, right? Like the locals, Whistler. We're not in the village. We are in uh, probably what would you say? Like uh, this, this is like a neighborhood, right? It's like my favorite is- name for an area. It's Function Junction, and uh, that's yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, Function Junction. We're uh, we're the heartbeat uh, for the village. Uh, all the plumbers, mechanics, mm-hmm. electricians. Auto shops, anything that uh, uh, thrives, helps the Whistler, Whistler Village thrive. We're down here, and um, this is uh, definitely where the locals hang. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you need something, you've got to come down to Function to get that, and uh, that's where we're located. I mean, people listening to this podcast are friends. So, uh, you know, is there like a secret mountain bike trail or something that Holy they could? Cow, I that, can't divulge that. Okay, even well, with you like, making that comment, and I'm sure we just signed a contract there. There's definitely <laughs> a lot of great trails. Uh, one of them that ends out uh, around here, Lord of the Squirrels, is a massive trail that uh, was just completed last year, mm-hmm. and uh, it ends not too far from here. Uh, you've got uh, river runs th- runs through it, comfortably numb. Those are all uh, that popped ahead right away, popped to mind. There we go. All right. So how did beer find you? How did beer find me? Uh, my wife and I, hospitality for a uh, good 20 years here in Whistler. And um, we've uh, done everything from mopping the floors in a pub and restaurant to uh, managing it and uh, behind the bar for the most part of my career, pouring the taps and wondering where that all came from. And uh, that led to a home brewing career that um, started out pretty, pretty uh skunky as most homebrewers beers did uh and that got better and the phone started ringing and all of a sudden i had a few more friends here and there and uh, <laughs> it's amazing what beer can do it. it's amazing what beer brings us together doesn't it yeah the long-winded story here to keep going i guess is uh onto the uh mop at uh, whistler brewing uh, a young whistler boy with not a lot of breweries or uh, exposure to the craft beer scene outside of our little town here 
uh, that's where I ended up, and it was great. And I really uh, look back on that with fond memories. It uh, was my first entry into commercial brewing and, and worked my way up to the kettle pretty quickly. And then from there to Siebel Institute in Chicago and uh, took some brewing courses there on, on campus at Siebel. Got my little brewer's ticket mm-hmm. back up to uh, uh, BC, of course. Uh, and at that point, started beginning writing the uh, business plan to what would become Coast Mountain. Right. And worked for a few breweries down in the city. Gained some more exposure and uh, experience, I should say. Um, and here we are. Right. So Coast Mountain, how long have you been open? And then how long was that time period from idea to physically here? Seven years. Seven years. Seven years was the first. I think we should do this for uh, for a living. What do yeah, you think, yeah. uh, uh, Ange, my wife? She thought we were crazy. And um September first, uh, twenty sixteen, we opened our doors, and uh, we just had our four year birthday. It's been gangbusters. We are very fortunate for the uh, town and the support that we have here, and we're making beer. We're smiling about it. Yeah. So, what would you say your brewery focuses on in terms of styles? Or are you just just doing what you please? Like uh, whatever. A little bit of column A and a lot of column B. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really love what we do and we're very passionate about it. And uh, our focus initially was on stainless, making clean beers and what I like to call cash register beers. You put the pale ales, you put the uh, IPAs, the lagers down, mm-hmm. folks that are going to be drinking those on a, on a bigger scale in order to make sure that the business was going to be sustainable with a focus on wood to come. Yep. And uh, fast forward three and a half years or whatever, COVID hits, and uh, maybe it wasn't the path that we had always dreamt of, mm-hmm. but uh, that uh, gave us a little more time on our hands, uh, yeah. along with everyone else in the world. And um, that's when we really honestly started bringing in the wood in, in a lot uh, bigger way than we ever had. Uh, now we're, uh, I think, just over 50 barrels on route to 60 barrels. We are we're just very put together right now. That's a not way to coin a term. We're, our, our brew team is firing on all cylinders. We're very passionate. And we're just loving flavor, color, bacteria, different yeast strains. We're enjoying this like lovely pilsner you guys have done yeah, here. Totally. So, yeah. And as I think we were coming together at the beginning of this episode is, you know, a pilsner is the true test of a brewery. Uh, yeah. That's what I do when I work at, walk into any brewery is I, you know, what, what do you got on tap for a pilsner lager? And let's, uh, let's yep. put, put, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. And I, I usually go like opening weekend if they're brand new, go back three months and then go back a year and then finally make up my mind after a year. Right. Like, <laughs> well said. You're very <laughs> yeah yeah no i well hey like usually when you're open right you've had some beer sitting in some tanks for a few months because you've been delayed three months you're in the oh god i need to make beer and then a year then you find your stride right That's so right. Yeah. yeah yeah no we uh yeah we had our, t- our, our uh, time as well we took our time and um we uh uh we're just very fortunate. We've got a great team around us and, and a community that supports us in the, in the sense that to sort of turn a page on the conversation, I guess, is uh, distribution. We, we keep it all here. Yeah. We cannot uh, brew enough for the uh, demand of the product. Mm-hmm. And um, for that, we put your head on your pillow at night and, and uh, be very thankful for it. And hopefully it keeps rolling that way. And I mean, like if, if, you, if you're not sending it anywhere and you're keeping up with demand, I mean, what's, what's the size of your brew house here that we're sitting amongst? Yeah, go, no good question. The size of the brew house, uh, we've got a uh, custom built uh, 2000 uh, liter or sorry, a 20 heck uh, brew house. That's a uh, three uh, vessel system. It's got an external whirlpool. So a brew uh, mash ton, louder ton combo into a kettle and then into an external whirlpool with a big old uh, hot liquor tank or a big hot water tank for uh, some of those listening. So we can spin a batch in about five to six hours. And uh, we're commonly doing two batches a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll brew anywhere around 
depending on the week and the season of the year, uh, we're coming into a little bit of a slower time and being the fall mm-hmm. in between the bike park and the uh, ski season. Yep. And of course, with everything else going in the world, nobody knows what's going on. Um, yeah, but you know, it gives you time to prep. At we're least, spinning right? anywhere from sort of, it's a big, big uh, gap, but seven to 12 batches a week kind of thing on averaging, I guess, right. uh, nine, nine, nine or 10 brews a week. Right. Yeah. Cool. And then how many tanks are, uh, do you have for to let beer sit and do its thing? I think we're at 15 fermenters now. I should know that right off the drop of the hat. <laughs> and it uh, looks like one, two, three, four, five bright tanks. <laughs> right. And, and it looks like you got some room to grow. I mean, like it's, you know, it's a nice yeah. and spacious back here. Uh, yeah, we uh, built the system with uh, an idea of flow. Uh, the brew house, of course, being up at the front on the street side. So customers, when they walk by the front door, can see the stainless. And uh, yeah, Google, Google away. Yeah. And then uh, you've got a big 10-foot window there inside the tasting room that you can uh, peer away at the brewers doing their thing mm-hmm. uh, back into the fermentation uh, cellar and then uh, the tank farm if you will and we're sitting in the um, sort of packaging staging area here uh, where we'll do a, a great majority of our kegging we use uh, west coast canning or now known as vessel packaging they come up mm-hmm. every two weeks and we book them out uh, uh, i think we have them until january or every two weeks for about two or three days every time they come and uh, so our schedule is Pretty tight. We yeah. brew uh, for two weeks. We don't ever really have a lot of extra package or, or beer on hand. It's uh, it, it is on a schedule that every two weeks it gets flipped over. So works out pretty good. Yeah, and that's um, pretty much going to what every restaurant in town, every pub in town, and yeah, in Whistler we got. Um, I think it's about 95 pubs and restaurants. We have 115 or 116 liquor licenses. Last time I checked, and uh, we sell to. Uh, well, pre-COVID, it was just over 60 pubs and restaurants. Now we're at about 45 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the draft has slowed down tremendously. Everybody's going to tell the same story. Uh, so the package stuff, uh, pre-COVID, we were uh, Whistler only. That's about uh, five, six liquor stores. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a huge expansion to Squamish and uh, uh, north to Pemberton. And uh, so now I think we're in about maybe nine liquor stores or so total. Right. Uh, we don't take anything down to the city. It's just uh, uh, another reason for you to get off your couch and come visit us up the sea to sky. But with that, though, I mean, some breweries have started shipping direct to your door. I mean, like, is that something you've considered or are you just still like just trying to keep up with, with what's immediately here? So. I think probably the latter with, with some of the former. We want to be able to do that in, in the time ahead here in the not too mm-hmm. distant future because uh, it's it's. I really do want to get our beer in the hands of those that want it out, out and beyond. And it's not like we're trying to, you know, like just steal it all away for us, even though we kind of are. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the demand is there and we're just, well, to be honest right now, we're short staff. I'm wearing a lot of hats yeah. and, and, um, uh, and as such, uh, we'll just sort of keep it here for the next little while, but there's lots of chatter around the water cooler of, uh, uh, sending beer to some of the hot spots in Vancouver in the not too distant future. Okay. Well, keep your eyes peeled everybody. <laughs> so, um, with, with that, then what do you like to drink and what do you like to brew personally? And, uh, what has been kind of, uh, your most adventurous beer to date? I heard one, uh, on the board there that kind of caught my ear. So let's, let's see if it comes up here. <laughs> Very cool. I hope you like more than just one beer that's on our chalkboard, but <laughs> well, no, 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 There, there was one that was like, Ooh, that's interesting. Let's try that. I, uh, like a lot of brewers, I love a good Saison, but for me, uh, a Pilsner is the true test of a brewery. And, mm-hmm. uh, we have a, what well, I'm a little bit biased, but a nice clean pills. It is. And, um, I and, just finished my glass <laughs> and then there's more of that. And then, um, 
uh, getting into the barrels. I, I, I'm a big Flanders guy. Uh, so we've done a couple of bastardized versions. Can I say bastardized on this thing? You did now. Bastard, bastard, bastard. Um, <laughs> and uh, of, a, of a Flanders with our uh, wild uh, sour cherry. And uh, then we have another one uh, coming uh, in about another year and a half or so. So just right around the corner yeah. uh, with uh, uh, cherries we, we were able to harvest from Naramata, BC. And um, we'll blend that with a, a six-month uh, uh, um, young uh, Flanders style and uh, try and recreate these uh, historical correct beers and, and screw them up as, as much as we can to land on a Coast Mountain flavor. Uh, dial them to local taste. How about that? Yeah, like I just love, uh, we love... Uh, we love different yeast strains. Uh, we're sitting in a brew house that's uh, it's about a 3,000 square foot facility here. Mm-hmm. Um, the brewery itself takes care of about uh, maybe 2,600 or so, which means a very small tasting room. The tanks that surround us, we'd probably be best to carry around maybe three, four yeast strains in a brewery this size. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any given time, we have seven or eight. Right. We staff a QC tech that um, loves her microscope and is growing different um, uh, yeast cultures. And uh, we'll get to a stage where we're going to be able to uh, harvest yeah, a natural say. airborne uh, yeast strain here in Function Junction, and we'll have a Function Junction ale yeast yeah, right. uh, that we're trying to go for. And um, and then would you have like a Blueberry Hill yeast strain <laughs> maybe, and then like yeah. Yeah, just all the different little areas of Whistler here? Certainly, yeah. man. We'll go over to uh, White Gold and pick up something up yeah. there. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, the idea there is to focus on yeast. Uh, you know, a lot of breweries are, are hop-focused. We love our hops too, obviously, with a lot of different IPAs we have on tap at any given time. Um, but... Yeast, man, that's the that's the way forward. That's yeah. the differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Get some different flavor. Get some different mm-hmm. colors out there. Everybody loves a good hazy beer, but uh, that's not our focus entirely. We'll always have one or two of those on tap, but uh, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but I've been there, done that. And yeah. uh, um, but hey, don't get me wrong. We we love a good uh, good hazy. Uh, it's just I'm I'm looking down the road a little bit further, and yep. and uh, that's a colorful road. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm right there with you. So I uh, was speaking to uh, another brewery friend of yours, Derek, at High Mountain yeah, yesterday. Yeah, dude. And um, he said he could tell uh, where somebody is from, like as in a local or a tourist, depending on what beers they order at the bar. Do you kind of find yes. something similar here? Well said, so. Derek. Yes. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Derek. That's a very good statement. Uh, yeah, totally, man. He's uh, he's not wrong there at all. Yeah, you got all... Uh, we're an international destination here in Whistler, and we have all sorts coming uh, year after year. Or g- again, here, you know, we have to keep saying this. It's a bit of a different year with yep. the worldwide pandemic going on, so a lot more regional regional tourism. But uh, yeah, for sure, you'll get some guys coming up to the bar, and they want a finger's width uh, worth of head on their beer, and others are like, "Give me the meniscus bubble over top," and <laughs> you know that guy's uh, somewhere from jolly old England or, or something where he wants yep. a true pint. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, good good statement there, Derek. I like that. <laughs> And then, well, so speaking of that, do you have a cask system then at all, or is something yeah, you want to do? We started with uh, different cask ales and um, breweries that I was with in the past. We did quite a number of casks, but I'll just be dead honest. Uh, from a market perspective, it's not there right now. Mm-hmm. We uh, we when we started up coast in 2016 and 2017, we were holding cask nights uh, quite frequently, and then we would go up to some of the pubs and bars and stuff. Well, they just weren't finishing the cast. There just wasn't enough people coming up here. Right, so, right. you know, not that there's not enough people coming. There's enough people coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, so currently right now, uh, cast scales are uh, on pause for us as we continue to focus on right now uh, a series of uh, cork and cage bottles and uh, uh, the barrels as they're coming on. And um, and then just a, can I swear on this thing? A ton? I was going to say. You did now. <laughs> <laughs> 
ton of stainless. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. We, uh, keep it rolling. No cascales right now. Right, um, and uh, I, I have to ask about your graphic design here because um, you have s- some of the most beautiful packaging in the province um, with the with the mountain range. Uh, it, it's a beautiful like the label peels away on the can with the mountain range. Uh, who is behind uh, the artistry of? The oh, our good friends, um, Hired Guns Creative. Um, same guys that did Driftwood and uh, multiple other beautiful brands out there. Uh, so Hired Guns did the initial um, brand design for Coast Mountain. Yep. And it, that includes the uh, house logo that you see with the wording Coast Mountain in a mountain mm-hmm. shape. And then that landscape element you're talking about there, um, all hired guns. And then since then, we got a little bit more um, local with a friend of ours uh, who was a server at one of the restaurants here in town. He has taken the brand uh, and, and just gone forward with it in uh, mm. some crazy high colors some some just nice geometric shapes some you know uh, you've got you've got a little bit of everything there but uh, it ties all together really well we're very proud of it and Cormac Power right that's our guy man graphic design Cormac Power if you follow him on Instagram I think he's got like a bajillion followers and he's uh, he's he's pretty hot on Instagram well you know there's a reason behind it because it's beautiful beautiful packaging um, if you don't know and you're listening to this go check it out so yeah um, so with that I love asking brewers this um, what are some advice what's some advice that you can give somebody who's wanting to get into beer to make better beer what are some good practical tips that you could share patience and passion uh, never lose either of those. Uh, a wise old brewer told me those exact two words when I first started brewing commercially. And, uh, the, you can't ever lose either of those two aspects in brewing. You don't ever rush anything. Um, you know, your Pilsner should be six weeks and at four weeks, it tastes rad, man, for sure. But dedicate a tank to it. Uh, take your time on it and ensure that the yeast is really healthy, mm-hmm. uh, and recreate water chemistry wherever you can. Uh, if you got a 5% beer, 95% of that is water. So it better damn well taste good when you start off. Right? Yep, yep. Um, so we're, um, you know, salt additions and, uh, we don't have reverse osmosis here, but, uh, our water is quite pure and, and doesn't carry a lot of mineral content. And as such, we're very fortunate to be able to build back mineral content where needed for uh, depending recipe. Mm-hmm. So we love what we do and we're very passionate about that. And we take our time when we sit down, we're creating recipes we do an open book with our entire team. So if somebody is looking to get into brewing, read some books, uh, get out on the internet, ask a lot of questions, try, try again, because, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I failed many a times before we succeeded. And I think we're still, uh, trying hard, uh, to, to just get the next best beer in the tank. And I think that's, what's addicts me to, to brewing is, is, uh, that next tank and, and what's coming and, and, and what can we do different than we did last time? And if it's just an adjustment on the, on the mash ton of, uh, of a, a degree or, or something, the um, finished product there, it really, uh, you, you can start to pick that out over the years of, of brewing and over the batches, better said, even on a younger scale, uh, you can see the differences in, in uh, micro adjustments on your brew day. All right. And then uh, for people that are wanting to come up um, and if they're listening to this in the distant or hopefully not so distant future yeah. uh, and can come and visit, uh, what's the size of your tasting room? And then you got that lovely patio out the front too. So Yeah, thanks, man. The tasting room is pretty cool. It's all done reclaimed wood and uh, a friend of mine and uh, ourselves, uh, our family, we, we built that together and uh, dragged some driftwood out of the back um, nine here behind the brewery. And uh, so we got a four or five hundred 
uh, square foot uh, tasting room, which houses, well, pre-COVID, it was 27 people. Right now, it's nine. Mm. Nine people. And we're all in a fishbowl inside of all this uh, plexiglass. Yeah. And um, let's hope that uh, uh, we can all get through this together and, and quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the patio is beautiful. It's uh, 30 people out there, now 15. Uh, but uh, we uh, have a, a somewhat of a peekaboo brew for to the top of uh, Whistler Peak there. Uh, you can see Peak Chair. You can see uh, Whistler Bowl, West Bowl. Are open seven days a week. We run from pretty much 11 a.m. till 10 p.m. as Bonnie Henry says every uh, every night of the week, and mm-hmm. uh, and we'll go from there. All right. And if uh, somebody was wanting to go down this path of uh, opening a brewery up themselves, what would be some advice you could give them? Uh, <laughs> have a lot of money, um, <laughs> which I didn't. <laughs> no. Uh, again, go back to that patience and uh, and uh, passion. If you're going to want to get into this business. Um, it helps having some experience in it. I think I met a young couple recently that are opening a brewery in West Kelowna and neither of them have uh, experience. However, they have a tremendous amount of patience and passion and they'll do very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed my, my time with them. Um, and I think that if you have the right aptitude and you're, you're focused enough, you you should get into it. It's a, it's a great industry and there's a lot of camaraderie in it. There's, there's a lot of, uh, I, I, it's hard pressed to find a bad beer in this province right now. So keep it going. And, uh, since we're in Whistler, uh, winter sports or summer sports, what's, <laughs> what's, what's your favorite day? Uh, well, my name is Kevin winter. Uh, <laughs> so as jokingly as that said, we moved here for the snow. Um, I've, I've been a BC kid my whole life and, uh, I've always been worked around ski towns and, uh, worked on the Hills before the brewing career as well. Um, and so we love our deep powder. We love big turns. And, uh, if it's 20 centimeters out there, we're, we're, uh, opening late that day for sure. Mm-hmm. But as I get a little older, I'm 43 now, I got two kids, I got a business. I do like sitting in a lounge chair in the sun and, uh, looking at, uh, one of the, uh, what do we got? Three, four lakes here in town with three, four golf, three golf courses and uh, yeah, I, I, uh, really enjoy just the network of trails, the Valley trail that we have here in the lakes. And it's, it's a beautiful spot to visit in the summer as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for your time. Really appreciate it. Hey, Aaron, really appreciate you coming up here and, uh, don't hesitate. Come on up the highway and visit us again soon. It was awesome sitting down with Kevin and, uh, sitting on a keg in the back, <laughs> socially distanced, you know, drinking a beer, having a great time. Thanks, Kevin. And, uh, all those beers were fantastic on that lineup. Um, yeah, I had a couple flights when I was there, and uh, yeah, I was not disappointed by a single beer on that lineup, so way to go, Kevin. And uh, thanks to the rest of the team at Coast Mountain Brewing. It was fantastic. And thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hopefully, you've subscribed in your favorite podcast app. Also, big thanks to the BCL Trail for making this episode possible. If you want to follow us along on social media, you can by going to facebook.com forward slash Cascadian Beer, on Twitter at Cascadian Beer, and on Instagram at Cascadian Beer Podcast. The website is cascadian.beer, and there's so many episodes that are uh, there that you can check out. And uh, once we're able to travel again here post-pandemic, you know, you might have to go discover that brewery that's really piqued your interest here in the podcast feed. Thank you so much again for your time. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, remember, support your local.